will, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 25 this morning, 1 Samuel chapter number 25, and again, we appreciate the goodness of the Lord, thank God for Him allowing us to be here, thank God that you're here, and thank God that I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be in the house of God this morning, no place that I can think of any better outside of heaven uh, than in God's house with God's people, and uh, we're grateful that you're here this morning. First Samuel chapter number 25, and uh, I'm sorry, First Samuel chapter number 5 this morning, and uh, I want to take just a little bit of your time and bring to you a thought uh, out of this text. Let's stand a moment as we read the Word of God, First Samuel chapter 5, and uh, we'll read about eight verses uh, and pray, and then you can be seated this morning. First Samuel 5, and verse number 1. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again, when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emrods, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of God of Israel shall not abide with us. For his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? They answered, let, let, the, let the ark of God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of God of Israel about thither. And the next several verses is the Philistines trying to figure out what to do with God and trying to move him out of their coast, trying to move them or move him uh, or his representative in the ark of the covenant, trying to move that away from them. Uh, let's pray this morning. And then you can be seated. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, I pray you'd help us this morning. God, help me be mindful of the time and, the, Lord, the attention. God, help us today, Lord, as we preach. Give us wisdom and understanding and unction and help. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and preach it to our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. Uh, if you're here for the first time this morning, I do want you to know that ordinarily... Uh, on Sunday mornings we have children's church and this is the first Sunday and so uh, they're in here on the first Sunday of the month ordinarily outside of that they'd be in children's church and so we hope you'll bring them back again I think that they'll enjoy their time in there we do have a nursery available if you need that we have nursery workers that work it uh, ages three and under and uh, that, if that's a benefit to you you can uh, take use of that as well uh, we're, we're glad you're here this morning I know uh, I'm, always, I'm always appreciative that we have the children's church, but always enjoy when they're in here with us on the first Sunday. And I think it's good for them and it's good for the workers to be able to have that Sunday off and be in here as well. 
Uh, I, I want to preach this morning out of this text uh, on uh, deciding on Dagon. Deciding or choosing Dagon over God. Uh, I, I'll give you just some introduction to the text this morning. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, uh, a text regarding uh, two gods, one being the God we serve, the capital G-O-D God, the God of heaven, and the other, a little God of Dagon would be his name. The Bible describes him as Dagon. He's the, he's the little G-O-D God of the Philistines. Uh, and in our text, we, we find that uh, uh, that the ark of God has been captured. It has been um, uh, it has been stolen by the Philistines uh, and carried into their land and brought uh, out of Israel. Uh, you can read in chapter number three and four and find out why uh, God's people uh, have mishandled the ark of the covenant. They have misused the Ark of the Covenant, and they've been interested in the Ark of God, but they've lost interest in the God of the Ark. Uh, and the Ark of the Covenant is a representative of who God is. It's a box uh, outside of God's presence. It's a, it's, it's a piece of wood overlaid with gold, nothing to be worshipped, but it is who the Ark represents uh, that is the object of worship. Uh, it is a representative of God's person. It is a representative of God's power. And it is God's form of choosing in the Old Testament economy of meeting with man. You remember that in the Ark of the uh, Covenant that they would take that Ark and they'd place that Ark in the temple. That mercy seat was laid upon that Ark. And that was the place where God would meet with man. He would consume the offerings in the Old Testament. Really, it is a type. It is an Old Testament type of the Lord Jesus Christ. What the Ark of the Covenant was to the Old Testament, the place of meeting with man, uh, we find that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need an ark. We don't need a box. We don't need a, a, a place uh, because we have a person and that person is Jesus Christ. And God gives to Israel a type of the Son of God who would one day come. And they have misused this type. They have mishandled this type. And they've misappropriated this type. But the ark is a representative, again, of the power of God, the presence of God, and the place where God meets with man. And one more time this morning, aren't you glad that we have all of that in the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the New Testament Ark of the Covenant. He is the person uh, uh, of God in the flesh that meets with us. Uh, Israel has lost that and it's fell into the hands of the Philistines. Uh, there's another character in our text and that is Dagon. Uh, that is the God of the Philistines. And again, I would say to you this morning that he's a little G-O-D uh, God. He's not a capital G. He's not God. He is a God and he is a figment of their imagination. You say, well, how would you know that? Uh, well, I did a little research on him. It's interesting when I studied on Dagon uh, that I found out that he was uh, part fish and part man. 
He had the torso and upper body of a man uh, and he had the, the, the legs, which would be the absence of legs, but of a fish. He was part man, part fish. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Obviously, mermaids and mermen are, are, are of old uh, and it was a god of the Philistines. Uh, they, they fashioned him with their hands. They made a statue. They made an image and they set that in a temple and they said, this is our God. See, the difference in the God of heaven is that he made us and the God of this world, man makes them. The difference is uh, that the God of heaven, he helps us and the gods of this world, man has to help them. If I'm going to serve one, I think I'll serve the one who made me instead of the one that I had to make. If I'm going to serve one, I think I'll serve the one who can help me uh, instead of the one that I have to help along the way. Uh, the Philistines have their God. Uh, they are in a coastal region and they believe that their God is a God of fertility they believe that their God is a God of power and that from the sea He came and they have made this, they've designed it, they've dreamt it up, they've built a temple, they've built a shrine and they've gone into this shrine to worship their God. But here's something that happens. They come in contact with the representative of the God of heaven. They get their hands on the ark of God and instead of destroying or at least attempting to, uh, they decide, well, what we'll do is we'll take the God of Israel and we'll take him to our temple. Of course, that, that, that was just a representative of the God of Israel. He's not a statue and he's not a box. Uh, he, is, he, is a, he is a triune being uh, and you can't put God in a box and you can't hold God in your hands uh, and you can't design God with your sculpting tools. Uh, he is the designer of you. But they said we'll take his representative and we'll put him in our temple with our God and we'll place them side by side. One man said they did it for this reason. They did it as an offering to their God uh, to say, see, uh, we have captured the, the God of the Israelites and we're offering it to our God. Another man said this. They said it was not an offering, uh, uh, but that it was a compromise. We'll take our God and we'll take their God uh, and together we'll place them in the temple and we'll worship both, whichever one suits us on that day. And I'll be honest this morning, I don't know which of the reason why, but here's what I know. The Philistines took the ark of God, they took it to their temple, and they set it next to their God in the temple, in their shrine, and they walked away. Here's what had happened. They had come encounter, at least in part, with the God of heaven. They had come encounter, at least in part, with the God who made them. And aren't you glad this morning for the day uh, that you serving your gods of this world, uh, you said, preacher, I never served Dagon. No, but we serve ones that we make up in our mind. We serve self-righteousness and religion and sin and flesh uh, and all the things that we serve. But aren't you glad for the day uh, that the God of all glory walked into your life uh, and you had to decide will I serve him or not God though the Philistines were the enemies of Israel 
Though the Philistines were wicked in their nature, and so was Israel. Just because God saved you don't mean you're better than anybody else. It just means you've got a good Savior that loved you in spite of you. God uh, who had designed them, God who had made them, God who had created them, uh, and yet they lived serving their gods. But God is so merciful that He allowed the Ark of the Covenant to go home with them. You say, why would God do that? Uh, Well, there's several reasons, I'm sure, but I'll tell you one reason, to give them an opportunity to decide, do we want our God or the God of Israel? You walk into a church this morning and last Sunday and the Sunday before that and you may have a God that you've made out of drugs. You may have a God that you've made out of alcohol. You may have a God that you've made out of uh, a promiscuous lifestyle. You may have a God that you've built out of self-righteousness and you've built up this wall and said, I'm so good, surely God will be pleased with me. But what happens when you walk into the house of God is that you run into, you run into, you come in encounter with the God that creates, the God that can save, the God that can redeem and he'll leave you with a choice. Do I serve Dagon or do I serve God? Do I choose Dagon or do I choose God? Here's the Philistines decision to make. Uh, They decide and you read it with me. You know the story, we read it. They set Dagon, uh, or Dagon is already there. His statue of, of this imaginary being is there in the shrine, there in the temple. They set the ark of God in uh, uh, next to it. They leave, they come back the next morning, and here's what the Bible said, that Dagon has fallen off of his place. He's fallen on his face before the ark of God. They walk in there and they say, well, this is odd. This has never happened. Uh, I didn't hear an earthquake last night. I, I don't know that anybody got in here. And so let's set him back up and see what happens. They set him back up. And the next morning, the Bible said early in the morning, they go back in there again. Uh, and once again, Dagon has fallen to the ground. But this time, uh, his head has fallen off and his hands of this little fish man, this little merman, his hands have fallen off and his head has fallen off. And and, and there may be a lot of things that that represents, but I would say he ain't got anything up here in wisdom to help you and he don't have anything within his hands to help you. He has no wisdom and he has no ability to do anything. And yet the ark of God is still sitting there. Here's what they decide. Instead of, well, our little God is destroyed. Instead of deciding, well, our little God couldn't defend himself against the God of the Israelites, here's the decision they make. We've got to get rid of the ark of God. We've got to get away from the ark of God. And they begin trying to push the ark of God off onto other people. That's the world that we're living in this morning. The question is, what do we do with the church? What do we do with the people of God? And do you know why? Because as long as that ark was there, it was a reminder that they were wrong. It was a reminder that the God of heaven was bigger and better than their God. It was a reminder that they were in the wrong. And instead of choosing right, they chose to get rid of the right and keep the wrong. I thought about that as I read it. How many times do people walk into the house of God? 
And they hear the preaching of the word of God. And they hear it and they know they go home. And it is not in the daylight hours that Dagon surrenders to uh, to the God of heaven. It is not in the daylight hours that that Dagon falls before the Ark of the Covenant. But it is in the night hours. It is when they go home and they go their separate ways. uh, That God comes in there uh, in all of his power and he lays Dagon down. And I say to you that most of the time that's where we get into most of our conviction it's not in the day uh, but when you go home and lay your head down at night and you have been encounter with the God of heaven uh, and you've got to lay before God that night and make a decision am I going to trust him or trust the gods that I have created I say to you again this morning there are a lot of gods that people serve man serves the God of money well, I would go to church, but I'm busy making money. Takes money to survive, preacher. And I would go to church, but I'm going to make some money. And when I get done making it, I'll serve God. You've built a temple around your dollar, and you've placed it before God. You've used that as an excuse to get away from the presence of God. You've made a God out of that, and you make a decision this morning whether God is your God or money is your God. Some folks say, well, I would serve God, but I have made a God. Of course, they wouldn't use that terminology. The truth is, it's still there. I've made a God out of the fleshly lifestyle that I live. I enjoy the sin that I am in so much that I'd hate to give it up. And I know that if God saved me, uh, he'd want me to quit drinking. I know he would. I know if God saved me, he'd want me to quit doing some of the things that I'm doing. I know he would. Uh, And so you've made a God out of that and you've chosen that. But I'm going to tell you something that don't mean that at night you don't go home and hear the voice of God uh, and have to decide of that little God or the God that saves. There's folks in here this morning and You've never been saved and yet you are religious and proud. You've made a God out of your accomplishments. And if given the opportunity, you'll brag on your accomplishments every chance that you get. You want people to know who you are. You want them to know what you've accomplished. You want them to know what you've done. And all the things that you have built up, you've said, well, this is my God and and this is the God that I serve. But the truth of the matter is, is if you come to the God of glory, you're not going to come with your bag full or your wheelbarrow full of all of your accomplishments. You'll come to Him bowed before Him knowing you're a sinner, recognizing you're a sinner and admitting that there is nothing in my hands that I bring to please God my religion if it is a religion of self is just another false God in the bag of false gods and so the Philistines have a decision I want to give you three of them this morning that they make, and we'll go to the house. We'll, we'll baptize James and Gina and then go to the house. Number one this morning, I want you to notice the decision of ignorance. The decision of ignorance. I find in our text, verse 1, the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. Word Ebenezer, maybe there's some significance here. I don't know. The word Ebenezer means the place of help. Ashdod means the place of power. 
And the ark of God was in that place of help, those lifted up hands of help, Lord, in that place of relying on God. And they take the ark of God out of that place and they bring it to Ashdod, that place of power. They are, they are interested in their own power, the Philistines are. And they bring the ark of God and they set it on this temple that has already been there. This temple's already been built. This Dagon, their God, has already been supplied. He is there. And I do not know how long, but I would say century upon century, they have gone to the temple of Dagon. And they have worshipped him. I've had the opportunity several times on our overseas mission trips to Albania to go to uh, Rome, Italy, and we've gone into the Vatican. We'll be there again this December uh, with Brother Dana Williams and his wife, and Brother Kerry Nelson is going with us, and my wife and his wife, and, and uh, we're, 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 we'll go again to the Vatican, and I always take people there, not because that I believe in anything that they're doing, not because I promote anything that they're doing, but because it's always a good reminder to look at what religion apart from God looks like every year we go in there every time that we've ever been there and we go into the Vatican you'll see the statues of the dead popes and you'll see the statues of the of the saints that have gone by that have been made you'll see uh, statues of Mary and 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 pictures of Mary everywhere uh, and 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 statues of Jesus and I'm going to tell you something this morning you can you can you can make a statue out of the right thing and worship the statue and not the what it represents or who it represents one thing that intrigued me several years ago is that we found, I saw a, a statue there of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who by the way was just a woman. No doubt God chose her to bring forth Christ into this world, but she was flesh just like me and you, needed a Savior. There was a statue of Mary and in her hands, or no, it was Peter, I believe it was, Simon Peter, the, 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 who they would say would be the first pope of, of Rome. And, and it was a picture of Simon Peter and in his hands he was holding a cross and on that cross was Jesus on the cross and they've come by and the feet of that statue are gone where people have come by and they've paid homage to that statue of Peter here's the problem this morning uh, number one there is nothing in that statue it is just stone and mortar there's nothing in that statue and if all of your religion is wrapped up in paying homage to a shrine you've missed out. Thank God this morning there is a person. He's alive and well. His name is Christ and He lives within my heart and He operates within the church and you can know Him by faith. They have wore the feet off of that statue of Simon Peter holding a cross with Jesus on it in His hand. And I thought if you were going to get it right, you'd have to flip that thing around and have a statue of Jesus holding Simon Peter in his hand. We'll make something real big out of you holding on to something that ought to be big and make it real little. But I want you to know the way around. I'm not holding up my Savior. I'm not propping up my Savior. I'm not putting my Savior in His place but He holds me up. He props me up. I don't hold Him in my hand. He holds me in His hand this morning. They have worshipped Dagon. 
They have praised Dagon. They have prayed to Dagon. The truth of the matter is to no avail because what can a statue of a fish man do? You say, well, preacher, what about they, them folks praying to that ark? Nobody ever prayed. God never told anybody to pray to the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant was a, was a picture that represented who God was. And they've decided to do this before they've ever met the ark of the covenant. It is a decision based on ignorance. That was the best that they knew. Somebody had dreamt this up. Somebody had, and I'm hurrying this morning. Y'all are doing a good job listening. Somebody had imagined and said, well, let's make a God and let's make him look like this and let's make him do this and let's make him be known for this. And they said stuff like this. Well, I feel like we're right. Well, well, well how do you know you're going to be like, well, I feel like Dagon's going to help us. Well, what makes you feel like that? Well, I think... He's going to. We've worshipped him. We've adored him. We've come by and, and paid homage to him. Of course, Dagon never changed your life because how can a dead statue change your life? Dagon never made you different because how can something that you built make you any different? Dagon has never supplied your needs because how can a, how can a brick and mortar and stone object supply anything for you except Something to pass your time and make you feel good. It was a decision that they made that they had made in ignorance until the day that the providential hand of God allowed that the ark of God that represented the power of God and the presence of God came into their land and was placed in their temple. And I want to say to you that many of us did what we did before we met Jesus in ignorance because we felt like it was a good thing to do. I think that I'll be alright. I feel like I'm getting by just fine. But it was the encounter with God that made us realize Maybe I've made a decision that was in error in following after Dagon. It's a decision they've made, but they've made it in ignorance. And, and though they're going to stand before God, but for that ignorant decision that they've made, at least we can't throw too many stones at them as of yet because that's the best that they know. And this morning you may have walked in here, and I'm trying to hurry and be done preaching, but I want you to hear me. You may have walked in here this morning, and you're doing the best that you know how. But I want to tell you something, that the God of your best is not enough. The God you've made up is not enough. The God that you've made out of religion and self-righteousness will never do. But there is one and He is enough. There is one and He can. There is one and He will save you if you allow Him to. It's an ignorant decision. It was all they knew. It was given to them from their family. I, I, I think about how many folks are living in Error and ignorance because that was what was passed down to them. You're going to go to heaven and you leave this world and many answers are, well, I'm planning on it. Well, I hope to. Well, how are you going to get there? Well, God, he, he sees my wrong and sees my right and he knows my right outweighs my wrong. How arrogant are we that you could lie in the face of God and say that you're right 
supersede your wrong, then you know how much is actually in you. <laughs> and boy, if it was a scale, I think I know which direction the scales are tipped in, if I'm being honest. An old songwriter said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You're going to be all right with God? Well, I believe so because he's merciful and he wouldn't put anybody in hell. Well, what are you going to do with the whole Bible? <laughs> you think because you come along he changed his mind? I mean, I get hell wasn't created for me and you. Hell was created for Satan. I understand all of that, but people die and go to hell. And I know it ain't preached very often, but there is a literal place called heaven and I'm glad I'm going. But I'm not going by my own works, but by his works. But as real as heaven is, there is a hell. And just because you don't want to entertain it or imagine it, don't make it go away. Ignorance, somebody said, is bliss, but not forever. And so the decision that they've been making is an ignorant decision. They just don't know. But now they do. I, I want to give you the second decision that they make. It is an inquisitive decision. Not only an ignorant decision, but an inquisitive decision. I know it's getting hot in here. It's that time of year where... And I'm feeling it. It's that time of year where it's cold in the morning. You turn the heat on and then wish you'd pause right in the middle of church and flip it over to air conditioning. And uh, I know it's getting hot in here. I'm going to try to be done quickly. If y'all Are y'all still all right? An inquisitive decision. They go into the temple and they recognize that the False god Dagon has fell over on his face. He's not broken. He's not busted up. He's just literally fell on his face. And he's faced towards the ark of God. And you know that's got to be uh, puzzling. Did something happen? Um, did we miss something? And I can see them, they go and they say... Uh, Maybe there was a temple director. Mr. Temple director, did you accidentally knock Dagon off of his stand? I wasn't even in there. Um, and, they, and they checked the video footage. That's a joke. We got a, we got a, a sign over in our school. Uh, it's a quote. It says, you can't believe everything you see on the Internet. Or everything you read on the internet. And then it's signed, Abraham Lincoln. And you'd be surprised how many kids have, have read that and thought, oh, that was cool he said that. <laughs> I don't know what they did, but they thought, well, this is odd. But here's the decision they made. Not to look more into, is there something about that ark? Not to say, you know... Let's just leave it alone and see what happens. But they made a decision. They said, let's stand it back up and see what happens. Let's stand it back up. See, so here's what God wants to do. God wants to throw down all of your gods. I'm going to run that and buy you again. 
God wants to throw down all of your gods. He's a jealous God and he's not going to share that spot with anybody or anything that you've made a God out of. And, and he'll let you come to church and he'll throw down your gods. The preacher will get up and he'll preach against all the gods that you've been making and you'll be mad at the preacher. I don't know what's wrong with him. I guess he thinks he's better than all of us. And it ain't got anything to do with the preacher. It's got to do with that God is interested in casting down your and my gods that we've made. You know what we do? We're going to put them back up. (laughs) Thou shalt have no other gods before me, he said. And we'll say that and we'll hear that and shake our head and we'll go get our little God of money and prop it back up. God will try to take it down, we'll put it back up. We'll go get our God of addiction and put it back up. God will try to tear it down and we'll pick it back up. We'll go get our God of self-righteousness where we say, well, I'm all right, I'm as good as anybody and God will encounter you with that truth and tear that idol down. And you'll go home. You'll put it back up. Well, it's not bad. Well, we all do it. Well, everybody's got their vices. Well, everybody, and what God is interested in is taking down the idols in your life. And what men you, like the Philistines, are interested in is building them right back up, putting them right back where they were. It is an inquisitive decision that they have decided, well, let's see what happens if we put it back up. You sit in church and be nearly convinced that you are a sinner and that you need to be saved. and You'll tremble in conviction. He's talking to me. And you'll walk out of them doors and you'll go home and you'll talk yourself into believing that the God you've been believing in in your own righteousness is good enough and you'll build that back up that God spent an hour in church tearing down. Oh, y'all hear me this morning. I mean, you'll be convinced to the point that you're about to get up out of your pew and go get on the altar and get saved. And you'll say, no, not today. And you'll walk out of them doors and the God of your pride that you have built up that says you've got a name and you're somebody and people think something of you. You'll build that God back up that has been torn down service after service after service. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. God will tear them down. and We love putting them back up. Here's the last decision that they made. They put it back up and they go home again. And it's in the still of the night, the quietness of the night. God shows up in that temple again. And I love this. I don't know what it looked like, but I just think God just kind of through the, I don't know how he did it, maybe, I know the ark was there, and it was again a a representation of the power of God, and it was the place of God's meeting, I don't know if God just opened that lid just a little bit, and a breath from heaven just, and knocked it over, maybe God just reached down with a great big old hand, and, and didn't even have anything to do with the ark, maybe God just reached down, and 
and just knock it in the back of the head. I don't know. I don't know how God did it, but all I know is they walked back in there the next day, and Dagon is on the ground again. Now, if you've seen him on the ground once, you'd say, well, that was an accident. Let's put him back up. But they walked back in there again, and he's on the ground again. And he stood there year after year, day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, and without ever falling. And one thing changed. The Ark of the Covenant came in, and Dagon just can't stand anymore. Don't you think you'd say, surely God hath done this. We need to talk to God because obviously he's the winner and I don't want to be on the losing end. God, I recognize your power. God, I recognize your person. God, I recognize your ability. And I don't know what I need to do to be right with you, but if you'll let me know, I am seeking after you. And I promise you, if you seek him, you'll find him. Dagon has fallen down again. And this time his hands, again I said to you, had fallen off. Head and the only thing that is left of that little fish man is the stump, the Bible said, the torso, the stump of his body, without any power to do anything. And they make one more decision. And it is a decision not of ignorance, it is a decision not of an inquisition, and it is a decision of insistence. I'm going to choose Dagon no matter what. I'm going to choose Dagon if he's broken and busted and bowed down before God on the temple floor. I'm going to choose him if it kills me. I'm going to choose him if it puts me in hell. I'm going to choose him if it ruins my life. I'm going to choose Dagon if it costs me everything. And here's how insistent they were. They said the ark of God must go. Let's get rid of God. Obviously, God is the problem. Let's get rid of him and we'll continue on serving our little rubble of stone instead of the God who put him there. Here's what the Bible said and you can look it up. It's in chapter 5. They made a, they made a shrine there on the threshing floor and said you can't even walk on the place where Dagon fell. Can you imagine years later, children coming into the temple and they say, now don't, don't stand right there and they've got it blocked off. And they say, well, why can't we stand there? That's the place that Dagon fell and got busted. And the little child, just being honest and earnest, said, well, why did he fall and get busted? Well, we had the ark of God in here and the ark of God knocked him down and that's where he got busted. And you know, children are honest. Can you hear what I'm saying? Then why are we serving Dagon and not serving the ark of God? Well, then why are we worshiping that little mound of dust instead of worshiping the God who could knock him on his face? And that's a real good question. Why do we serve our flesh when there's a God in glory who has victory over it? Why do we serve our sin when God is faithful to get us out? Why do we serve the gods of this world when the God of heaven made you and has power? To give you victory in life. Because we are insistent on doing it our own way, even if it kills us. And unfortunately, the Philistines had made their mind up. If something's got to go, 
is not Dagon, but it is the God who put him there. I'm done preaching. You can come to the piano. You got some decisions to make this morning. A lot of them you've been making in ignorance. Some of them you're here this morning because some inquisition. You're just wondering, if I put him back up, will God knock it down again? Here's one thing the Philistines could have done. I don't know about y'all, but wherever that ark's going, that's where I'm going. And I'm going to submit to myself to the God of that ark. Yet they decided, we'll keep doing the wrong thing and hope it'll work out. Let me ask you a question this morning as she begins to play. How's that working out for you? Has your self-righteousness made a difference in your life? Or at night, does God still show up trying to tear it down? Has your fleshly fulfillments... Man, I'm living it up, having a good time. I mean, we're just, we're just living it up. Has that fulfilled you? Or at night, do you still lay before God... And he'd come by and say, how's that working out for you in your good time? Well, Lord, it ain't really all that good of a time, but I'm, it's going to be. <laughs> and he keeps tearing it down. And you keep building it up. I wonder what would have happened if somebody in Philistia would have said, y'all do whatever you want, but I'm going with God. What what God would have done? I got an idea because I got a whole Old Testament and a whole New Testament that shows me what God does when people start looking for Him. He lets them find Him. And He'll bring you into places where you don't belong. He'll bring you into places where you don't fit. And oh, by the way, somebody said, well, I just don't fit down at the church. I don't belong down there. You know why? Because you don't belong down there and you don't fit down there. And if you did belong down there, it was because God did a work or it ain't really church. Well, I just don't fit. You're right. And neither did I. And neither does everybody in here until what happens? Jesus saves and he makes you fit. Jesus saves and he makes you belong. Jesus washes and he makes you clean. And that's why you fit. I didn't fit in here, but now I do. And if one of them would have said, I want God, God could have made them fit where they did not belong. But here's what we do, and I'm done. Well, let's just get this God business out of our life. And if we got to drug it out, drink it out, or go find a religious place where we can meet that don't remind us of Him, we'll do whatever we got to do. But boy, this morning, if somebody would say, I want Him, you'd find out He really wants you. I want us to stand this morning all over the building. How many folks that didn't belong, didn't fit, somehow God in His mercy and grace saved you and washed you and you just want to thank Him this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to do that.
God, thank you for the day that I chose you over Dagon. She's going to play. She's going to sing this morning. You be obedient to the Lord.